I put my hand back on my head and looked at my hand and it was like the shining, just like pure red. And then I realized like, oh my God, I'm like bleeding profusely out of my head. And then I've started like shaking because uh, it's cold, I think, and I'm in my underwear. It's like 18 degrees. And uh, I'm seeing lights of like green and blue and yellow and purple. Welcome back to Labeled. I'm your host, Matt Carter, and today I'm joined by Garrett Russell of Silent Planet, and we discuss their terrible Wyoming van accident, how that's impacted his thinking, and how his spiritual beliefs have continued to change and evolve, how that led to the development of their new album, Super Bloom, which is awesome, and comes out Friday, November 3rd. Several of those tracks, like Antimatter, are already out, and becoming some of their biggest songs to date. So Garrett and I discuss all kind of stuff, um, including the nature of being in a band in its second decade. So Silent Planet is doing great, going strong, and I always enjoy getting the opportunity to interact with Garrett. So check it out. Join the labeled Facebook group. You can find it over there. It's a fun and good place. So just find it on Facebook groups and we'll see you over there. All right, let's do it. First of all, it's great to talk to you again because yeah. I don't feel that I have to cover the whole background of the band and all these other stuff. We can really jump in with what is going on now. And the easiest way to do that, obviously, is start with this accident that you guys had. I don't yeah. really know the story of it. Um, so let's just start there. And, and, you know, since last time I saw you here on the podcast, I saw it Furnace Fest and then, which your set was great. You, you played after you, you were the band after us. Yeah. That was, uh, yep. That was an honor to be like, man, like we, you know, watching you guys rock out and being like, we were on that stage 20 minutes ago. That was, that was really cool for us. You know, I, I've, I've said this on your podcast before, but your, your music, specifically the question, like I probably, I'm probably in the top 1.01% of people as far as how many times I've listened to the question. The crazy thing is that that record is what, 2005? Mm -hmm. That record holds up really well. Like you listen to that and you listen to like stuff that like rise records bands are coming out now. And I'm like, question's still better, dude. Like it's crazy, you know, like how, how, um, even the quality, like the recording quality, the whole thing was just like, it's, it's crazy that the, and I, I know y'all have made a lot of great stuff and a lot of music past the question, but I just, um, I don't, do you guys ever talk about that? Like, like, I, I feel like it's underrated. Like I show people the question who didn't, encounter it um usually i find like you know because it came out it came through like the the christian alt scene uh, you know back then and a lot of people especially i think that weren't at all involved with any for, sort of faith or whatever might have missed that record and i've shown a lot of people that record and they're always like what like you know i mean think about it. if you love like panic at the disco or you know other like seminal records at that time people hear the question and they're like i can't believe i missed that like I feel like it's got to be in, in now that we're so far back from it. I look at it as like one of the most underrated records. I've well, heard. I appreciate that. I think it um, gets to, well, first of all, it was just really focused. It was like, that's just all the focus that, that we had of some experience and youth and focus all converging at the right time yeah. to have the right 
sound in the right year with the right everything. So it just yeah. it was a ton of focus. It happened very fast, and it sounds like exactly something. So it has a very clear identity. Um, yeah. But it uh, but point. it it's is a cool. It's cool. To, the you know the compliment of holds up is. That means that's the real one, I think, in the yeah, end. It's yeah. like, you, you know, so I like Holds Up, regardless of how big it ever got. And the fact that it's as early as it is, you know, it might have been bigger if it came out later. But nonetheless, that means it had more opportunity to been. maybe be influential or feel more original from my point of view. So Very I don't have any complaints about I don't call it underrated. It's, you know, I don't call it that. I call it yeah, great success. No, for sure. <laughs> it's, one, it's one of those... It's one of the only records that, um, uh, like, I grew up listening to a certain set of music, and our drummer, Alex, grew up listening to a certain set of music. And for the most part, we grew up with, like, just we just have different influences. And the question is, like, the one thing that um, comes up over and over again where we both, like, that. I think that and Death Cab are, like, the two things we, we both um, are like, oh, you also like that, you know? Um, well, yeah, listen to it a lot. I, I appreciate that, but your Furnace Fest uh, set was good. I really enjoyed that one. That was a Thank that you. was a that was a good no, experience. It was, but... that, that was a fun one for us. It was cool. It was uh, we 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 had been on tour with Motionless and White for a few weeks, and uh, when they're 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 a cool band, really nice people. But um, when you tour with a band that's like this kind of like heavily like goth thing, um, and their fans just kind of sit there and like stare at uh -huh. you, waiting for the dude from motionless and white to walk on stage so they can like, I mean, literally like they've been waiting all year to see motionless and white. So I've learned like, you couldn't take it personally. It's just like, you're not motionless and white. Yeah. They've been waiting all year to see motionless and white. And they're so close that they like, can't even hear you or yeah, see can't you. Even hear, see you. <laughs> they're just like, they're, they're like preparing themselves. And, and, and so, uh, we were on that tour and then we played furnace fest with y'all. And, uh, that was really cool because, uh, um it, it felt like people were there to see us and there to see you and it was like oh it's it's cool yeah. that you know our, our bands haven't really crossed paths that much but at furnace fest is a place for both like i guess like this us being like a newer solid state thing and, and y'all you know like it just people were there for for like us doing whatever we do and because our bands are pretty different but um, there's also, I think when you dig in, especially like lyrically, there's probably some crossover. Oh yeah. Stuff. Yeah. I mean, everybody, you know, everybody likes multiple kinds of music and that yeah. th these types are, are very interrelated and, and we, you're not a new band. I mean, you're obviously an old band too now. I mean, you're an old band. You know, it's <laughs> funny because I call myself a new band whenever I talk to someone who's like, to me, like you guys are like historic, like to like, as far as like the foundation of, of what I've been listening to my whole life. But yeah, it is weird to be like, yeah, we're putting out our fifth record and uh -huh. I've been doing this since 09. It's, it's not new, yeah. but it's like it feels new sometimes in context. <laughs> well, the ten, when you get at 10 year stuff, you go, oh, wait a minute. This is like because nobody gets into a band and thinks in decades. That's just not how it goes. You know, like when you yeah. join or start a band, you're not thinking about decades. It, it no. Almost no band that ever formed envisioned themselves. 10 plus years still i mean I'm, some people think that way but for the most part oh no. yeah and so once oh, yeah. you hit the 10 year of anything formation anniversary of this or that or whatever or releases i mean it's just this whole other you know thing that nobody yeah. really anticipated and then we've been through a 10 you know a decade of that and then you see the 20s and then you know it's like okay now now there's a whole different view of looking at old and young and sustainable yeah, or it, long term it or historical all that stuff kind of comes into play which is very cool but to be active in the 
post single decade decade achievement should be a higher like how does that not in some ways mean more than gold record or like how isn't there a, right like i mean of course you know it's different but it's like at being active with the fan base every 10 years is a big <laughs> that you it should also, get a, it, something it, like the youtube plaque or whatever you people get yeah i mean it's it's funny it's yeah i know i totally agree like the numbers things weird like for 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 instance our band was on um on spotify um we 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 like we're sitting around like 120k monthly listeners or something and then we had a song do pretty well this year and and get on playlists and now it's like matter right the anti-matter. sitting a little bit shy of 500k and it's like our band's not literally three times bigger like when when we go play shows it's not like you know we've gone from hey there's like four or five hundred people a show to you know now there's 15 1600 people and so the number thing is very deceiving so i i agree i, I think that the, also if you're able to stick around as a band for a long time that says something about you i think that says something about everyone in the band assuming the band's not like a revolving door of members it says a lot about I think the community and the friendship because like you obviously had to like make sacrifices and, and compromise and, and and do all the things that go into relationships, whether you know, you know, anyone who's married, I, I'm not married, but my friends are all married. And, and I'm sure anyone who's married knows what I mean by like, if you're going to stick around with anybody and continue to like do life side by side with yeah. them for a decade, that means like you so many times learned how to like be selfless, I think. Um, Cause if everybody's just, kind of trying to That's get the right, same thing right. all the time there's just no way that it's that, that you're going to 10 years later have people still playing music together <laughs> yeah well and and it's um you know if you measure something like streams or numbers or sales those are those are very real things but the thing that the band does is create experience in real life with people and places so the yeah. like the amount of those things that happen like how many people had shared experience across time with the yeah. music. Like I play the guitar, that's my role, but it's a community activity where a people connect and have shared experience over time. And you know, those that's what it seems like should be measured is the amount of that occurring. That would yes. be a cool thing to more index or measure or recognize. But because it it, it takes it's harder in some way. It's hard to write a hit song or get the big time or whatever, of course. But like you said, staying together relationally is pretty hard. If you think about marriages lasting ten years, hard. Two people, hard. Yeah. So then, and if you think about when they look at uh, startups, co companies, it's like, oh, you have a co-founder, and now this startup, and the you got two co-founders, that makes it way harder because they even talk about in startups how like three co-founders is can be a nightmare, or whatever. And when do oh, they I ever have imagine. six co-founders on some company and think they're going to maintain a close relationship? you know and maintain that it's like a disaster it doesn't yeah yeah it's not easy you know, how could you be in marriage with five people or four people and make it i think b bands are a lot like a two-person co-founder startup i find because almost every band i encounter is like two main creatives that like 
collab on everything. Um, and I think the same has been, um, yeah, as it's been, you know, for, for a lot, most of Silent Planet, there's been someone who primarily figures out the musical direction. And then I like try to like match it lyrically and, 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 um, conceptually, you know? Um, and yeah, so I, that, that's interesting. I haven't really thought about it like a startup, but bands sure are businesses, uh, as we both know, but even, so. the, but it's their handicap startups because startups at least can just change what they do to try to, you know, get money and stuff. Like that's all they do. It's like true. that would be you're way easier. Yeah. If you could just like, Oh, this, or oh, we're doing this. Oh, we're do it's not, you're actually doing something that you're bound to artistically that you can't really get out of. Like you can only do what you can do that what comes out of you and you have to do it right you have to do it the require the ethical requirements are more than a business trying to make money yeah you ha you're bound by many other things that aren't that yeah you know so that's Dude. much harder than startup and you have to keep more partners for longer with almost no money and that's a, that's a challenge <laughs> i mean it really oh, yeah. is i know it is it, it it is for sure it's it's um it's it's I think bands are becoming more like startups over time. That's my theory. Uh, like, you know, us playing like dive bars for like four years to like nobody and house shows and stuff um, from about, you know, 2012 to 2016 um, uh, playing just like small house shows mostly and stuff. It was like that. That would be a pretty bad business model <laughs> for like if you're thinking of it like a business or a startup. We were right. Um, but but that was like the norm and I, I know you guys did that a lot too just like playing anywhere you could forever and, and then of course you cross a threshold where you, it does become more like a business and like um but but you know a lot of newer bands like they just start out and it's just content just like just like we're gonna post on tiktok every day we're gonna like post on it's like they, they just make content they hope that the algorithm blesses them that they like they 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 right. you know, get oh, a yeah. bunch of traction the, the and, and then they don't really them. tour with like the big overhead and all that stuff until you know until there's like fans waiting for them and stuff which from a financial level is a lot probably safer and smarter well i mean but that doesn't necessarily if you can get enough numbers on a algorithm blessing as you put it then you eventually can sell hundreds or thousands of tickets as some smaller function of the big crazy number you know exponential yeah. number but that still doesn't necessarily create a fan base over time that is often possible for you those people that are buying those tickets to not be interested or invested but they didn't come play watching you play in the small clubs or all the connect yeah. they may have just been served this one sound that they like from this one creator yeah, that they think is true. good right now and it's not connected on that level so i'm curious to see how people that have success this is really the biggest question to me is how could you find algorithmic success and be paired is because here's what's good about the algorithm it pairs you with audiences that didn't know about you, that would like you, that will like you, that yeah. do like you. So that really means something because how could you discover this audience otherwise without all the, you know, all that technology that, that figures it out. And so, yeah, but once it does, can those people then turn into a uh, community of their own? Can they, will they ever have a culture of what it's like to be a fan of, that's true. Like, what is fanship of content creator? Of when does it get interconnected with itself? Like the yeah. network effects of that versus, yeah. well, these are all the kids that are going to hardcore shows in the same local scene and the same festivals, and it's like that's a shared thing that that 
exists that continues itself on in a way that that spike in numbers might could even sell a theater this year but does it really create a fan base long term yeah and what oh, is that sure. what's the culture and i think yeah a lot of people like you know they'll have one song go viral or something but is that enough to get people to like drive to a venue and like right. pay money and like sit through the set and buy the merch for like one huge song you know and so yeah it, it, yeah it's but still you want the huge song like antimatter's big right so that's what is that are you do yeah. you feel like you maybe aren't going to be able to convert what you should from that or like what like or or does it do you think it does grow the baseline too at least but maybe not proportionally yeah, I think if I had to guess, I think antimatter will bring in an additional like ten or twenty percent of people, maybe to shows. You know, so I, I do think That's we'll see huge. it grow. Yeah. What else but, can but, do that? Yeah, you know? th thankfully we have. Um, yeah, th there's a, there's a core audience there, um, which I'm thankful for because uh, I think. Um, a, a lot of people I think that heard antimatter was like, oh, like you know, this band's like this like. They, they might have thought our whole catalog was like cyberpunk type type metal or whatever like that's the word i i we didn't really write it thinking the word cyberpunk but i saw that come up a million times just because of the type of synth that we used on that song it's different and sounding I, I think we're quite eclectic like i think if you go throughout our catalog you'll hear a lot of different stuff um not saying we're not you know as eclectic as uh, like radiohead or something but i, I think that we we, we definitely mix it up a lot and um i think we stand behind everything that we've done so like when someone sees us live they'll still hear us playing songs that we wrote a decade ago and some new stuff because um we, you know we like trying different things and what we're not like um but that being said um i i, I do think that you'll see a progression if you go from album to album and I, I think this new record that we have um is that Anyways, I, I I I will get, answer your question about the van because you asked about the van, right? Yeah, and no, I but I want like... to talk about antimatter too, so that kind of got here. That's well, all. And it, yeah, so. it all it all goes hand in hand. So, van wreck. Um, we had done like a two and a half week tour in New Zealand and Australia, and uh, we f we flew back. Um, we had a tour kicking off right away. Um, supporting a band called The Plot and You. The first show was in Denver. Um. And uh, so we we basically just yeah got back to the states, got a little bit of sleep, tried to change time zones, play the That's show in this Denver. year or last year. Uh, this was last year. Last um, year right, the show in Denver was November second uh, of twenty twenty two. Okay, uh, we so about the a year show. ago. Yeah, a year okay. a year ago, and then on, on um we were on en route to the next day. There's, there was a show in Salt Lake City. I had driven like five or six hours. Um, it was starting to snow. Um. I uh, pulled over uh, uh, to sleep. Someone else took over. Um, I remember I uh, took my pants off and my shirt off and I climbed into the bunk. And like five minutes later, I heard the driver screaming, guys, 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 guys. Oh, and then um, I felt I could feel the van like uh, turning like we were going like 60, but I could feel us like literally spinning. Rotate. I, I don't know this for sure, but I'm I think I'm pretty sure. That we did like a whole 360 spin and then flipped off the road um my first thought uh was damn it i just took my pants off <laughs> um because i i knew we were probably going down um i i think i was more awake than anyone else i think some of the other guys might have also heard that but i was like i hadn't gone to sleep yet so i was like quite awake and um 
Uh, <clears throat> so I, we, we had these little coffin bunks, these little metal, like, um, uh, and they're like, it's a three bunker. So it's, it slept six people, like two on the bottom, two in the middle, two in the top. And, uh, there's a little divide between the bunks in the middle, like a little alleyway, really thin alleyway. Like you could barely, if you're sideways, yeah, you can barely, fit. You, you, you couldn't walk through it shoulder to shoulder. Cause this is a, a Ford transit van. It's not like as wide as like a, you know, bandwagon or anything. Um, and, uh, so I, I'd always kind of thought in my head, I'm like, if I know the van's going to flip, I'm going to jump to the bottom of the van just basic survival because my bunk was in the middle, which meant it was pressed against the windows of the, of the Ford transit. And, um, I didn't want to, uh, um, I, I always just kind of thought like, I don't know if we flip, if I go out the window, then I'll like die either flying out the window or I'll go out the window and get crushed by the right. vehicle rolling right. over me. So I dove to the middle of the alley bunk while uh, you were already flipping before the flipping while, I, I felt us going down uh, or I, not going down. I felt us like spinning and it was, I, I don't, yeah. Like I didn't know exactly what was about to happen, but I, I knew we were losing control of the vehicle. And so I dove for like the bottom. Turns out that was the wrong decision. Um, my bandmates all just had stayed in their bunks, which of course, if you're on the bottom bunk or the top bunk, you, that's definitely the logical option is just stay in your bunk. Anyways. Um, and um, Alex, our drummer, who was also in the middle, he he had stayed, and so I um I had dove out of the 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 bunk, and everyone else when we flipped basically just went like like just kind of like went like kind of hit the top of the yeah. little coffin. Which I mean, keep in mind this it's not even a like a foot. Like if you're laying on your back and you're looking up, the top of the bunk just like a foot above you. So that that I ended up being a good thing that they're coffin bunks, which is kind of ironic now that i think about it um it worked out that they were in coffins because uh they couldn't there just wasn't that much movement you know they just right. kind of like went up they, they were contained within these little cells and uh and i however because i had dumped, dove out of my bunk thinking i would maybe be a good decision it was a bad decision i flew across like from the very back of the transit and this is like the extended one so they're fairly long vehicles um, I flew from the back to the front of the vehicle. Um, I remember hearing like a, a a bonk like on my head, and then everything, you know, I just went black. Um, and I woke up, and everyone was already like saying, "Hey, are you okay?" Like everyone's yelling out to each other. The dr uh, the driver is upside down, but like buckled into his seat, um, and everyone else uh, was like crawling out of their bunks and uh, we couldn't find our drummer alex so i immediately started like when i knew everyone else was there except for alex i immediately thought oh my god he went out the other window and um i i was in my underwear and it was like 18 degrees and we were like shivering but i like all i could think about was like find alex and it that was the the most horrifying um you know minute of my life i don't know two minutes however However long I was looking the for time him. time is very hard to judge in that kind yeah. of situation. Yeah. yeah, like I had just had a concussion too, I guess. Um, but I, I was terrified that Alex might be, um, that he might be dead or something. Um, and I was just like, uh, I was just kind of losing my mind. I was like literally like 
just like our, our van just had just a pile of crap everywhere. And I was like ripping through a pile of stuff, like terrified that I was about to see Alex's face. Like, I mean, I was like, really, that's all I could think about. And, and, and then, um, and then someone was like, look over there. And, and you could kind of see, it was like out of a movie, like outside of like the, the door, I think had been like ripped open from the flip. And you could see like out the door up on the, up on the highway, we were like down in a, an embankment. You could see Alex in a driver's in the, in the passenger seat of like some dude's truck. And, um, I just remember the relief washing over me. Like, I was like, oh my God, he's alive. And then I'm like, how did he get in someone's truck over there? And that's when I realized I must've been knocked out for a little bit because someone had some good Samaritan had like pulled over, ran down in, um, Alex, you could see Alex like in the window cause he's in the window. And so some guy had actually pulled him through the window of oh, wow. the, 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 the middle window of, of like out of his bunk through the window and, um, brought him to the truck and I was, um, just like, yeah, I mean, it's weird because from there, like everything else seemed, it, it like everything's just. I I, I felt so lucky. I, I guess ever since then, I felt so thankful. Whenever I think about the crash, that I, I don't even have like dark feelings about it. Um, I I do think that it's changed us as far as like we've talked about this as a band. I think anytime that we're in like the backseat of someone's car and they're like driving kind of erratically or. Like uh, one of my best friends, um, uh, he's kind of like a late breaker and he kind of like rides people's bumpers and, and, uh, stuff like that. And, um, I, uh, I, I find it hard to be in my, that particular friend's car now because, um, I, so I, I think there's some, some residual stuff for sure. You know, um, how but, long were you out? Do you know? I mean, what, I what was I don't know. I, I do. My understanding is the guy really quickly. I think the guy could see our, like, I think the guy had already was like ready to hop out of his car because he saw the whole thing happen. And, um, I, I should mention about the crash, something that saved our lives is we have like a, we had a heavy ass trailer, like a, a big dual axle trailer. Um, like I'm sure your band uses, um, big trailer. And that probably saved our lives because, when you look at the the crash site um you can see that like at some point like an axle ripped off of the trailer and and the trailer started to drag which i think severely slowed the momentum of the van so when we flipped we didn't like roll several times we just like um and by the way i can still remember the sound of us like going sideways to where it, like hit the ground and you could hear that's like a sled, like us, like sliding oh, down the whoa, snow. Whoa. I can still, re I can still hear the <laughs> sound of going down the snow. And then when it flipped again is when it like shot me across the van and, and, and I just heard bonk. And so where I woke up, um, uh, my head hurt and my, my, my back was like numb and, um, I hadn't, like I said, I was just kind of wondering where Alex was. And then I remember around the time we saw Alex, I, I put my hand back on my head and looked at my hand and it was like the shining, just like pure red. And then I realized like, oh my God, I'm like bleeding profusely out of my head. And, um, and then I, and then I started like shaking. 
uh, cause it's cold, I think. And I'm in my underwear, it's like 18 degrees. And, uh, there's, um, I'm seeing lights of like green and blue and yellow and purple, like kind of like fluorescent, like kind of like TV lights when the TV's bugging out, like on my peripherals. And, um, I, I called my mom and I was like, Hey mom, we got in a wreck. I was lucky to have reception. We were in like the middle of nowhere, Wyoming. Um, you know, my mom in Wyoming. told her what had happened. Yeah. Off the 80. Yeah. Um, yeah. uh, called my mom, told her what had happened. Um, and, uh, then I, I remember I actually tweeted, I think, and I, what was going through my head at that point, like when I called my mom and tweeted is like, it, it's, it sounds like, it sounds like, so like almost like dramatic now, but like, I definitely was bleeding. There's enough blood coming out of my head that like it, I, I don't know. I just had never seen a ton of blood come out of me. And I thought like, Oh, like, is this like the amount that like people have like, you know, a few minutes before they die and, they, and then they like go unconscious cause they've lost too much blood or something. And so I think I just wanted to like say some stuff and call some people, um, Looking back, that wasn't the case. I, I wasn't dying. I, I was bleeding uh, pretty profusely. And, and uh, one of our guys, it's actually kind of crazy. Um, He was filling in for us on base at the time. His name's Nick. Um, and he grabbed a bunch of like shirts and was like pressing it on my head. But I mean, it was literally soaking through shirts. Like he was going through different things he could find in the van to like press it on my head. And, um, uh, I, I was definitely telling the guys, I'm like, I'm bleeding a lot. I'm seeing, I was trying to just tell them my symptoms so that like, if a first responder came and asked, they could tell him exactly what had happened. But, um, yeah, I, and it's crazy. Cause looking like looking at that, like, I, I think a lot about how this guy, Nick, who was just filling in for us was like trying to stem the bleeding in my head. And that's kind of, you know, when, when, um, our, our, our member who's been in the band for a long time, Thomas told us that he was going to, you know, um, leave the band to, to be a family man full time, which is awesome. Um, it made so much, it, I remember Nick at one point being like, we told him like, I think you should be in this band. And he was like, Oh wow. Really? And I, I, I went back to that moment in my life. I'm like, dude, you literally like, we're trying to like help me survive in this van. Like you're, you're part of this band, whether you like it or not, kind of like we've, we've been through this, this bonding semi traumatic experience kind of. And, uh, he, um, he's such an amazing dude and, uh, and, uh, such a gift to have him, uh, with us. Uh, but yeah, the, um, the whole, the whole, uh, the first responder came and, and then like, I was like right there and he looked at it and he was like, yeah, like he's like, you'll be fine. And that was when I realized like, okay, it's, it's a lot of blood, but it's just because it's a head wound and head, heads bleed a ton. And I, I had never, I never had like really split my head open anywhere. Um, and it wasn't that, it was pretty deep, but it, it, it only, it only took, it's either like three or five, I forget. I think it's like five staples, um, to staple it up. Um, but yeah, so, so they take me in an ambulance to a hospital. Um, uh, they did some brain scans. There was no brain trauma. Um, that's funny. The lasting injury is actually my back. So, so my back has never been the same since then. And, uh, I mean, if, if I stretch a lot and I'm smart about like the chairs I sit in, I'm like usually pretty good to go. Um, definitely, uh, a lot of people, including our old bassist, Thomas, who was hit by a car in 2012 and set a world record. That's a whole different story. Um, 
or sorry, 2014, uh, he set like a world record for how far a human can survive getting hit by a car and being projected. What's the distance? It was, it was um, my understanding, it was seven, like seven, 65 or 70 yards. It's it's freakish. Like literally, it, it was partially because he was on a bike. It, like he was on a bike going pretty fast. And then a drunk driver hit him from behind going 55 and basically just like launched, launched him, him like from the butt, launched him. Um, he, he's, his whole body's filled with metal rods. Um, like he, he, the pain that he deals with every day is like, um, I, I can't even fathom it, but having toured with that guy for like eight, nine, eight or nine years after that van wreck, um, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And I'm honestly glad that he's kind of retired from touring because if he was in that van when we flipped and wrecked, I feel like he would probably be paralyzed or something like those those rods and stuff like it's it's a rough. That's a whole thing. Um, and uh, yeah. And, and so like I, I feel pretty grateful that like I'm first of all, I'm the only person with a lasting like injury from the wreck and my injury isn't too insane. Um, and I you know, I'm still working on getting healthcare, and uh, if I get healthcare, I'm gonna take some some steps like to try to figure out how to get this situation better. Um, but yeah, thankfully there was no brain trauma, um, and uh, immediately, you know, our our team and and some friends helped us put together a GoFundMe, and uh, that was helped us to keep us on the road. We actually only missed one show. Um, we missed that night in Salt Lake, of course, and then. We got all of our stuff in a U-Haul and a rental car and we drove to Sacramento and we caught the show in SAC um, the next like two days after. Looking back, um, I should have done some stuff. I think part of the reason I'm having back issues is like I didn't address the injury then. And then I just did a whole, we, we proceeded to tour for like five weeks afterwards. Um, it was in like Tampa, Florida that I, I needed to get the staples out. And, uh, I like said something on stage and a surgeon happened to be at the show and she like pulled them out in the parking lot, the staples. And, Whoa, I love that oh, cool community story. I um, love that kind of stuff. We were actually talking about bad omens or Noah, the singer. Um, he called me when I was getting my head stapled, um, actually, and, <laughs> and, uh, proceeded to donate a bunch to our GoFundMe. And I, a lot of people did uh, spirit box, a lot of, a lot of bands, um, uh, really, you know, helped us a lot with that. And, uh, we're super grateful. Um, it did set us back pretty hard, like in a lot of ways for financially and stuff. We're, we're still kind of just like renting vehicles. Um, insurance did not help at all. Um, but, uh, we're, we're still renting vehicles and, uh, kind of figuring out stuff. We did buy a trailer, however. And, uh, um, but, yeah, um, pretty pretty crazy to like go in the wreckage of that van the next day and like look at it and uh, definitely it. definitely very lucky. Um, the first responders and like sheriffs that helped us were all like extremely rude people, and I remember thinking, man, these people are like the meanest people I've ever met. And then it kind of occurred to me that on that stretch of Wyoming, I think they see like literally dead bodies, like oh uh, yeah, like That's often. And that I think that they're people that have like serious, like they've seen just the most fucked up stuff. And I think that these are people that have a lot of, um, a lot of pain, a lot of trauma. Um, uh, after the, it's funny. So after I get out of the hospital, this like taxi guy comes 
taxi being a, like a lifted truck with snow tires in Wyoming. Um, the, like a taxi comes to bring me back to this hotel that my bandmates were at. And, um, he was, I get in the truck and he's blasting bad omens. And he's like, have you heard of these guys? And I'm thinking that's so, I didn't tell him, but I'm like, it's so funny. Like the singer literally just has reached out and just so kind and helped me out. And I, I, I said, like, yeah, I heard they're really great people, you know? And, uh, so this guy's like taking me back and the highway had so many accidents that night that we couldn't drive on the highway to get back to my band so the dude was going through like cow pastures it was the it, it was it was like an indiana jones theme park ride at disneyland i mean just going up and down and i'm like holding on for dear life because i just got in a wreck and i'm like we're gonna flip again but this guy's like he's like he, you can tell like he's just born in that area and he's just laughing. Yeah. He's like, Oh yeah, look at that cow. Whoa. Almost hit a cow. He, he like, doesn't care. He's like doing his thing, going through these pastures. And meanwhile, he's like, besides blasting like metal music, he's also like telling so cool. me all this crazy stuff that he sees. He's like, Oh, the other day I was driving. I saw like a, a family frozen in a car and he's just telling me this stuff. And I'm just like, Oh my Lord. Like, this has to be one of the most dangerous places on earth. And and I do know that, um, um, I believe it was 17 years to the day of, of our wreck on November 3rd was when Bayside had a wreck on that same stretch and their drummer passed away. Yeah. Beats. Um, yeah. That was, um, yeah, yes, yes. That was, I didn't know that that had that date connection, you know, like I, I, that, I think that, someone that was the same stretch that. of road. Someone yeah. said that, but I honestly, I'm like, sure it's similar, but the, that stretch yeah. of road has gotten, so I mean I, I also I agree I don't know what amount of crashes they're just having all the time there but you know all the bands have their stories of what happened to them there whatever and then the worst is the the worst ones you know people dying but um, you know I've been in a van there her uh, twice one time I was driving similar story to yours but we didn't flip um, and another time where I was, yeah, just there laying on the bench, whatever. And we do the 360 on that same stretch of road and you feel it go out of control and somebody's driving, but the driver, you know, the driver's not in control and you're just, so you're just on this ride until, you know, it goes down in the median, doesn't flip that. You yeah. Know, so I've had that happen, you know, basically twice. One time it didn't go in the median, one time it did. And, you know, neither time flipped, but how else can you get from, it's the weirdest thing that that road is like that because I've been on a lot of times without crashes and it's just it gets this film of ice, black ice yeah. all the time. It came from November to April and there's no other way to go. I mean, if you're going yeah. to Salt Lake, Denver, I mean, you can't. What can you do? It's yeah. I've had a lot of people ask like like why that road? Is it a lot of curves and turns? And I was like, no. It's, no. I think it's just it's it's yeah. It's climate. It's temperature. It's 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 the condition. And the way that that road freezes, um, that, that, you know, just wouldn't, it's relatively flat, but it's empty. Like there's nothing. And it's, it's a really crazy part of the country. I mean, it really is. It is. It's, it is. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's funny. It's, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the, our, our, our guy who was doing merch and photo for us on that tour, his name's Dusty Winters. Uh, he got a tattoo after like, he, he, his, his main gig is I think, uh, holding absence, um, and, uh, another just great phenomenal group of people band. Uh, and, uh, he was, um, he, he, he was like, uh, 
uh got a tattoo that says like wyoming and it has like a line through it <laughs> like and we kind of have this joke we're just like yeah you know screw wyoming you know we hate wyoming whatever um even though i've I've met a lot of lovely people from wyoming but uh it's it's i think wyoming will always have that 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 little thing that mean that thing yeah. to us in the lore but um as you know as far as far as it relates to antimatter um that night that i was driving i was listening over and over to the demo for and what what would become antimatter and and i had already written the first part like the first 45 seconds of the song were already pretty much the same and I, i'd give anything to be in over my head and so it's weird because pretty quickly after that i like hit me i was like whoa that's weird and throughout the whole process of making this record there was a lot of times when i'd write stuff and then it would happen and it kind of fed into this narrative well, fed into this belief that I kind of have now, which is so different than I used to. I used to be like a hardcore free will person in the theology terms. I would have been like open theist, I guess. I just believe that anything's possible and nothing's happened yet. It's kind of changed. Like I, I kind of fall with like that Einstein sandbox theory of time where like I think everything's already happened. I, I mean, as far as as far as I, I think that like we make choices and stuff, but I think the choices that we're yet to make have already happened on some other level. Like, I, I think that like, I think, and I, I think there's a lot of dimensions to reality. And I, I think that they're stacked on top of each other. I mean, even quantum physics, people believe there's like probably 10 dimensions or something. And at least, and, and we only experience a few dimensions. Right. Um, and uh, this throughout this record, I just kept having things happen where I realized like the decisions that we make, don't just echo forward they echo backwards and i think that, <laughs> i i think that we are like of course it, it, like this is something that i don't think i'll we'll ever be able to prove in our lifetime i i if, if humans are around for maybe ten thousand more years and science gets to some crazy place where like science is converging with like philosophy and spirituality right. and they're just finding how that everything that they're finding where all the different disciplines connect um, possibly we'll be able to show that, uh, you know, but, but I, I really do believe that the decisions we make are echoing back and echoing forward and they're happening simultaneously. And in, in our reality, as we experience it, everything is linear. I understand that we, we, uh, you know, we remember the past and we, we move forward, but I, I think that, um, I think that the reality of, of things is, is, uh, far more confusing than, than like the linear perspective that we have. Um, so the, a lot the, of this record made me really uh, wonder that. Do you think that the choice, you know, people will have a difficulty there because it will sound like you're saying that there is no choice. It is illusion of choice, but even still it's the, um, maybe what you're saying is possible if, our choices that we experience making are in fact part of the whole perspective of time. Like that's one of the things that exist in time is our choices forward and backward, however you look at it. And we experience them as choices at least. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say that I, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm, we both, you know, both coming from different religious contexts that, that we um, have been around. 
yeah, everyone's been through the whole, like, um, you know, the hardcore Calvinist is over there and then, you know, the, the Armenian and then like the Molinist and, you know, the different views on like God and time and people and free will. And like, I guess where I've come to is for a long time, I was like hardcore on like the, yeah, everything's free and nothing's like determined or whatever. And now I've kind of come to this weird, like, it's kind of both, I guess. And that, that seems like that, that sounds like a paradox or sounds not possible to us, but I think it's because, um, despite all of our like technological advances and in, in, in language and society and stuff, I think we're still like very primitive. And I think, I do believe there are beings and I, I, we can get into this too. And because the album's about, um, ultra terrestrial beings, um, and encountering them. But I, I think there are beings that are not bound and so linear. Like, I think that like the way that you see a dog where a dog is just like impulse, a dog is just like eat, 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 sleep, 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 play, 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 play. And you see a dog just kind of be constantly guided by their like impulses. And, and, you know, you don't see dogs like looking in the mirror being like, why am I here? What's the meaning? Very often um, you don't see that with dogs. Um I think that like the way that we see dogs in their consciousness, I think there are other beings that would see our us in our consciousness and would be like, wow, we were so limited in in in, in our perspective. We just we we're, we 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 can only see so much. And um um I I and I think that a lot of a lot of our binaries that we create, like like for instance, you know, is is everything determined or is it free? Um I think that we it's a false binary. I think it's, I think it's like kind of both at the same time, but the, the complexity. So, um, our, our language can't even get at it, you know, because right. I mean? our language right. was created by people. Yeah. And so we're, we're, we're so bound. Um, I, I do love that movie arrival. Um, it was based on a short story by Ted Chiang called the story of you, but the, you know, in, in that movie, the, um, spoiler alert, um, mute, mute me for 15 seconds. If you're listening to this and you want to watch arrival with Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner and not have it be spoiled, uh, D Dennis Villanueva or however you say his name, French guy, um, that, that movie I think gets at something really interesting, which is like, she decodes the alien language. And as she starts to learn the alien language, her experience of time completely changes, um, which is kind of that Wittgensteinian notion of like thought is bound within um, language and, and that premise of like, she finds a new language that's not made by people. And it like kind of removes the scales from her eyes of time. And she can see how like linear linearity is like an illusion, you know, like it's not to say that like, she's not going to die someday because she's made of matter and entropy and, and things die. It, but but she does start to see through um she starts to see on both sides of things she's like having memories of the future if you will yeah and so in a way that the, a dog is limited and we're limited some well the thing that we have the dog doesn't is in that way language and so the fact that we have language enables us to do these complex patterns of thought therefore having a different experience of yeah time and space yeah like we and then so if you had in arrival to have another a language that's beyond ours, it would then give us the ability, if you could internalize a higher level language um, with more dimensions, yeah. let's say, then you would then be having new experiences of thought. 
experiences and types through types of thought through new language. That's that's fascinating. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so you think there's ultra dimension, ultra terrestrial. Yeah. It's because like extraterrestrial typically has, has meant um like beings that are not they're from a different earth. Um like like from a different planet, I mean to say uh like extraterrestrials like you know Martians or or I think most people that believe in extraterrestrials probably they point at like the Zeta articulate, whatever, like solar system, different solar system. And these are beings that have somehow been able to uh, do ex- do interplanetary travel, um, either being that they're immortal and they're able to just like live for, you know, tens of thousands of years while they travel um, or uh, more commonly believe that they've harnessed zero point energy and, and they're been able to um create basically like wormholes or like um uh, some type of like rift in matter and they're able to like basically project it and go through it um so that that's what a lot of extraterrestrial people believe and i'm not discounting that possibility um i but when i say ultra terrestrial i mean beings that are that are dimensionally like higher basically beings Mm -hmm. Um, I, 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 th- I think a lot about, um, how science fiction tells us about, you know, like we have these sci-fi stories of like little green Martian dudes and saucers with like probes, you know, abducting people in Kansas or something. Um, and, and then we have like stories of like the Bible and these beings coming down and, and whether it's like in Genesis six and they're kind of like dark and evil, like the, um, the Nephilim. Or you have, of course, just all the angel sightings throughout the the, the Bible, and, and different religious traditions have these beings coming down, and and what what usually happens is people fall in terror, like people are like literally like freaked out um, when when they see these things, like they can't move, um, and uh, I I believe that uh, I, I believe that these these when we talk about aliens and when we talk about like angels and demons, whatever. I think that we're using different language from different traditions, from different times for the same thing. And we've created these categories, kind of funny, we're talking about categories again. We've created these categories like mm-hmm. sci-fi, right. alien, and like Bible, right. God, you know, religion. And, and you know all these terms, by the way, I, just because I have little kids, but yeah. they know all of those terms way before they know anything but yeah. yet the categories the containers well an alien extraterrestrial angel yeah. like they're they know that when they're freaking three years old they've the concepts have come yeah and so now and, how do you fill in what they are and what it means and what's the same and what's different but you've already yeah you've already taken the concepts just before it before you know anything or another big one's ghosts yeah that's um, what i'm saying that yeah it's like what is all that but they take it the, the concepts first and then yeah. no experience, no knowledge, nothing yet. And then what happens religiously, what happens culturally, what happens through YouTube, like to fill yeah. in these yeah. things and which ones are connected and which ones are not. And who's to even say what anybody even means when they're talking about a whatever. I never heard ultra terrestrial until today. Well, yeah, and, and it so they probably maps. Ultra, yeah, ultra terrestrial, as I understand it, of course, it's not um I, I I just discovered it while I was working on this record, but the idea that um that they that beings that like could be right here in this room with me right now, um, potentially observing me, potentially even unaware of me or, or completely, um, or influencing not, you. Yeah. Or, or yeah. Like what? Yeah. Like just here 
-huh. and they're able to um, move between dimensions. So, so like when you take the footage that that's been released by the U.S. Navy of uh, the the UFOs, don't know if have you seen those? Um, the 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 big one was like the Tic Tac, um, or one of the big ones, and uh, you can see in a lot of these. Uh, a lot of these, this footage, um, as well as in interviews with pilots, there's like, I, I, I could be wrong, but I, I think there's at this point, like hundreds of ex like military personnel that are now like, that have either on like off record or on record been talking about, it was pretty common, you know, flying around this particular area that these things would happen. There's no explanation for them. We know they're not drones. We know they're not blimps. They're definitely not other jets and they can just basically just move with impunity and do whatever they want and um uh haven't shown uh, my understanding haven't really shown that they're hostile um but also like like have definitely done stuff like they're following them or they're like testing them or they're observing them in a lot of these crafts people talk about them moving between air and water like seamlessly mm -hmm. um and obviously that means that they cannot be physical matter in the way that we understand it um um, unless if I guess some of the ultra terrestrial crowd would say they, they create like a force field around them that like sort of just, um, uh, makes whatever is happening, um, that they're impervious to the changing like planes. But I, I believe that they're moving through dimensions. I, I think that we're seeing things that are like making themselves visible in our dimension, but, but in essence, they're like somewhere else entirely, um, kind of like a like a like a shadow or something um if you were to watch a shadow move in through a cave like in a cave wall and uh you're you're seeing like the reflection of the thing plato's um, cave yeah yeah right yeah i did get pretty plato there once i started talking about shadows and caves um and uh and it's it is kind of funny actually to think about plato like plato was talking about like the world of the forms right and was talking about like there's you know, when you look at a desk, we're seeing like the reflection of a desk, but in reality, there's like, there, there's an ideal world where everything exists in its fullness. And a lot of, even that kind of came into a lot of Christian theology. And so like, we know there's no perfect circles. You can't find one, but the platonic yeah. circle, we all know what it is, but nobody's ever even ever seen one or made ever one. seen it, but, but we, we, yeah, we it believe is. it exists and, we believe in, and, it. Yeah. and the world, he called it, right. you know, the world of the forms, you know, religious people might say heaven, uh, um, and I think that heaven, the world of the whatever, like, I think a lot of times when you hear about that in religious and, and uh, philosophical contexts, like the world, like the forms, world of the forms, I think that they're, they're talking about other dimensions that exist right now. Even, even Jesus, when, you know, when Jesus is inviting people uh, to have eternal life, I think primarily evangelicals believe that he's talking to Nicodemus, like, yeah, be, you know, like eternal life is something that happens when you die, like instead of dying and, and, you know, like falling asleep forever or just blacking out or, or going to hell, you go to heaven, you, you know, you, 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 your, your soul is saved or whatever. I think that the whole like kingdom of heaven and stuff that Jesus was talking about may very well have be like almost like a dimension of reality that's happening all around us, mm -hmm. but we we're blocked off to it. We, we don't see it, but it's happening here and there and now. And I think it's, well, to, to talk about dimensions, um, you have like, 
that um that experiment they've done where they they split things on like an atomic level and, and then they like can move it to like they can move part of like a particle to paris and have another right. one in new york and they move one and they move simultaneously and that's what kind of led people to be okay so these things are linked in a way that it does not there, there was no gap there was no like latency it's not like the internet right. where the there's information you know, like point zero zero three milliseconds right they're just instantaneous moving. That was uh, basically it, a teleportation of information, at least. Yeah, that that, right. that these things we can move in our time space matrix that, that we experience. We can move them, uh, and we can separate them. But these they're things still are linked, entangled. Yeah, yeah, they're still they're they're entangled. Yeah, they're exactly the quantum entanglement thing. And so, um, the you know, science is great. And, um, and, 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 and everything that we've been able to achieve, uh, I mean, the re the way that we're talking right now is science, you know, made it possible. Um, uh, but I, I think that a lot of people, uh, have a almost hubristic understanding of science where they think like science's knowledge is like total or, or close, right. like, okay, like we know 99% of reality now and, yeah. and, and just that extra 1%, you know, we're still working on. I think yeah, a little that few, we know little like, details to figure out to yeah. get it all done as if anything that's not scientific, therefore it doesn't exist. Yeah. doesn't exist. Like exactly. the bar for and, being included in science and not yet integrated to science. There's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and I think, I think that um, science is great again. And I, I'm, I'm so thankful for the advancements we've had. I'm sure one of us would be dead without it. Probably maybe both of us. Uh, but just because we've come this far doesn't mean that I think we still have a very primitive understanding of our reality and um, that there will absolutely be watershed. Dis if, if humans still exist on this earth a couple hundred years from now, which who knows because of the way that things are going and our inability to get along. But um, if humans were to still exist, hypothetically, I think we would have watershed discoveries about dimensions and energy and stuff that would completely just like like people would have to wipe the table off and be like okay you know we understand maybe fundamental laws of this dimension of this world of this solar system whatever but then we'd understand that we're, there's a whole that's it's, it's it, it would be like if you know you spent your whole life studying this glass and you understood this glass perfectly then you found out well this glass is in a room with all these other things and i know nothing about any of this you know I think that that would, I think that'll happen at some point. Um, if humans are still around, um, we, we may or may not be alive to see it, but, um, and so you I, think uh, Jesus had more was operating in more dimensions than yes, like yeah. just more than, or on a higher level with more layers or vibration or energy, something yeah, he was accessing in real time, not you know, in a way that we don't have access to. And the things he yeah. said were limiting, like maybe wealth limit us. Yeah. From, I mean, I, and, from accessing or, is, or, or what? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say so. I mean, I, um, I know that I'm not like probably like if you go point for point, what, like what, like Orthodox Christian belief is, um, or, or whatever, I probably don't fall in line with like every single point. Um, but as someone who I, I still am very passionate about the teachings of Jesus, I think the teachings of Jesus, I've seen it just transform so many people, including myself. And um, 
while I'm not like super evangelical, like I'm not like on stage being like, Hey, like you need to believe this or, or else this or that. Um, I, I do, I do believe that the, a lot of the message of Jesus was, uh, I, I, transformative to, to the world in in a positive way. I, I know that a lot of people did what people do, which is take a good thing and then make it a really bad thing. Um, and, and that's obviously been done over and over again, and we still see it happening in our politics today, but the fundamental messages of Jesus, um, were so powerful. And I also believe way ahead of time. So like, especially with like regards to like how he saw like children and women, for instance, both, both beings that were definitely, um, I wouldn't even say second-class citizens, the people that weren't really citizens, you know, by, by our modern understanding in that society. I mean, children weren't, weren't really, were barely seen as humans. You know, they were like, um, uh, it's crazy how we've done a 180 and now children are kind of at the core of our society, which ideally they should be. And I, I, um, but you know, like when he said, you know, let the children come unto me for you must become like one of these to enter the kingdom. Um, you know, and, and I think that's one of the most powerful messages ever that like, you look at the wonder of a child yeah, and he said, like, if you want to know the kingdom, you got to do that, you know? And, uh, that, that I think is one of the best things you could ever take away from the message. Um, and, uh, um, the, the way that their minds are, um, mm-hmm. still, I just, just, I think N- that's not so yes, not agree. so firm, not so sure, not so dogmatic, you know. Yes. Uh there's I think the childlike thing is weird um very weird in that like we th- we value childlike but we also um cuz I I half agree with you and half disagree that we have children in the place they should be now um because I, I still feel that they are not properly um, I still think that they don't have the um, dignity. I don't think they get enough uh, mm-hmm. understanding and are treated in ways. But in any in any case, childlike is good. Childish is bad. And that's a yeah, fine right. line. And it's I feel like yeah. it's used in the backwards way sometimes. As you know, I'm just saying our systems and our. I still don't think value children properly. Interesting. And how you know because between what schools and systems and parents and yeah, you know they well, they have the least control and consent of any group of possible and for reasons. Yeah. Sure. But nonetheless. We know that value in childlikeness is something very special and also a huge insult to call somebody childish. So childish, uh, I think yeah, there's something I think very childish. serious there. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Because I think the when Jesus people say childish, name. they're getting at something that is also true. Like fu- fundamentally, like obviously children, it's like the, the, the beautiful thing is that they are not, they're like, their imaginations are so open and wild. And then the diff the, the the difficult thing is their emotions are so um dysregulated that um you know obviously like uh yeah kids can just have like one small thing go wrong and like they're literally screaming and crying for two hours you know and obviously that um that that would be <laughs> it, it'd be scary to have a you know a, a seven-year-old be be the president or something because they would just <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. on, no, on right, a whim right. just on a whim start a nuclear war or something you know not thinking about the implications and stuff but yeah it's um you know keeping your wonder keeping your sense of awe is um is is i think essential 
to having really a soul that's not dead. <laughs> yeah, and well, like, they're very, they're vul- is vulnerable yeah. to be so, that way. To, yeah, but the soul seems alive more. So yes, yeah, yeah. and so yeah, just a lot of the teachings of Jesus, I think, are like are are so beautiful and so relevant. And I think you, I think you get that sense when you talk to a lot of people, um, who, who might not be like religious, but like, have like ever like read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you know, um, uh, will usually say like, oh, like those teachings are really good. And they see, I mean, a lot of it's a lot of the, the good in our society, like hospitals and, 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 you know, school, school education for all and stuff, um, that that is fundamentally comes from people that I think had the correct convictions of of Jesus, you know, and said like, hey, you know, every value, every life has value, you know, um, people have value and intrinsic value. Um, people can can are you know are worthy of love, can know love, and I'm not saying other traditions don't cover that, but I do think that the teachings of Jesus, um, um, in the Western world, as, as specifically, um has been uh transformed beautifully by the teachings of Jesus and then also very much dominated by people who use the label and then just sort of say yeah god wants me to do this you know and uh and we still see that like e- even in 2024 we're coming up on we're going to have another election where you know at pr- people running for president have to pretend like they're like christians or something like you know, people still in Paul in American politics still have to do that. And I get that it's it's just probably a cynical polling thing. They're like, oh, you know, this you have to say this if if this percentage to to even qualify to get voted for right. by this percentage of the population, you have to say it, you know. Cause I think someone coming out and saying, like, I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God, you know, or something like it's like that's not gonna help them. That's not gonna get them votes. However many atheists think, oh, cool, they're like me. It, it, and I also think that the yeah. the atheistic mind is probably, I think, can is oftentimes probably less tribalistic than like the the uh, the the Christian national mind, which is this extremely tribal experience of stuff. But then that's a whole thing we could, you know. I'm sure you talk you've talked about this a million point one percent uh, on your podcast, you know, bad Christian and stuff. Uh, so yeah, but I don't, don't get to do that. I don't do so much of that anymore. So it's nice to do. And especially if it relates to music. So this relates specifically to antimatter, but also collider. What else can you tell me about these lyrics and how this stuff yeah. is part so of, part of those? The, the record is, you know, it's a concept record that, um, uh, relates to like a backstory of a, uh, of a, of a teenager going missing in 1996 in Humboldt County. Um, and the whole record is uh, inspired by some possibly true. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll let people decide, but um, some stuff that I encountered when I was reading and researching about um, UFO stuff, disappearances, government cover up, all that, you know, fun stuff. Um, and is, Based and it happens in uh, Northern California, which is um, where I grew up, where I was raised. Um, it's uh, uh, it's known as like the most paranormal place in in the United States, uh, which is to say, like the most sightings and the most um, uh, 
kind of like legends and stories like like for bigfoot for instance a lot of the bigfoot stuff came from either uh you know shasta county or uh humboldt county or um um trying to remember the other one but like up, up there um this you know this land was obviously populated by native tribes for a really long time before the gold rush and the settlers came and took the land and and the tribes had a lot of legends and stories that they told um of uh different different beings giants is a big one um um anunnaki which we put out a song called anunnaki um be, yeah being beings that just kind of fall outside of the uh our understanding and, and we see evidence of it i mean they found skeletons across north america that are like seven eight feet tall like th there's been a lot of skeletons found in north america that um um some of them have gone missing and it's kind of a weird thing but um we know that there was like a race of giants uh probably had red hair uh that existed on this continent before you know europeans had colonized it um so just a lot of it's just kind of about a lot of the, the story takes place and this person basically has an encounter with a with an with a biologic um with a with a bacteria i guess you would say um that sort of um opens their mind up to perceiving other dimensions um as if uh um i think like the age old question is like can we on this earth in this lifetime with these bodies, you know, perceive all this fantastic paranormal stuff? And um, I do believe, I, I guess uh, in, in this album, it's, it's about somebody basically starting to experience uh, different dimensions and timelines and essentially time, time traveling, but not with like a device or whatever, but more so within their mind. Um, so um and yeah, so so the the whole record's about that story, um, and it's called Super Bloom because uh, that's the uh, well, Super Bloom is something that happens in California, but it's also uh, the way that this person describes their experience of of their mind, sort of uh, of of becoming something else. Like you're still a human, but when but also uh, maybe something else as well now. Um, and, and that process being the super bloom. So the person that disappeared in Humboldt County, what happened? I mean, what, tell me a little bit, how does that relate? They, yeah. So the, 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 the story of super blooms told from their perspective. Okay. That, is um, the, that the concept is from the person's perspective that disappeared. Yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah, I, uh, it's 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 told from their perspective and uh i in the coming months um we kind i kind of wanted the album to like come out and you know speak for itself and stuff but um people who want to find more information and uh some like journal entries written by this person uh will be able to find that and uh kind of dig a little bit deeper into the story. It seems like you want people to find the story and make what that, you know, it seems like that that's. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. There must I, be some stuff to find and discover and think about there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think, um, you, you know, I, I think they're obviously the way that music's consumed these days. Um, it's so fundamentally different than, you know, how it was when you put out the question or something where 
you know, you used to like, you, you'd have to buy a CD or like, you know, I mean, around 2005, you could start like downloading stuff and buying, buying albums on iTunes. But now with music, just like, you can just stream it. You can stream anything right now, um, which is really cool as far as like just opening us up to the different possibilities of music. And I think creatively that's, it's been a good thing, but I also think the difference is, um, you know, a lot of people will just kind of cat, you know, like, Oh, Hey, like this metal band silent planet has a record. I like breakdowns and screaming, you know, put it on, check it out, listen to it once or twice. And, but, um, I, I also know that there's, um, uh, we've, we've, we we uh i think like a lot of bands that have existed for a decade plus and been touring and stuff have have a you know a a, a smaller more tight knit tight knit community of listeners and um the that tight knit community of listeners is uh going to be able to um is going to be able to uh dig in and uh have um you know, get, get more context, get right. more of a backstory for the, for right. this record. And I'm really excited about that. So that's what, I mean, that connects to what we said at the beginning more in that there are amount of layers on which you can interact with on a band that's been around, has a history, has fans that are deeply connected enough that they'll not only care about more than just a single, but multiple songs that they'll pay attention to the lyrics, that they'll learn the lyrics, that they'll be curious about where the lyrics came from and the experiences the lead singer had that tie that together. And then this other layer of, a you know, culture from uh, ultra terrestrial to this story, you know, the, the amount of ways you can slice and get meaning and participate out of the art form that you're in, you're tapping into it on, you know, all these levels, which just give people in a, a a way to make their own context and and get what they want from it and it seems like you kind of have awareness that all those things are happening so that's pretty cool compared to somebody who makes some sounds gets blessed by the algorithm yeah. and there's nothing else there other than uh, the the beat comes across the person nods their head and hits a heart that's the shallowest yeah. possible yeah right right <laughs> no, no not attached to anything which isn't bad because man a good beat that makes you bob your head and you get get that like i like that too but there's a lot um obviously a lot here and a lot of stuff and the other thing that's cool about music is how much of it is nonverbal. so i know you're communicating in the stylistic choices and selections and textures are also part of the communication which is very cool oh it is it is yeah no the, yeah I, i'm excited i'm excited for people to dig in uh some of our earlier work we would have footnotes in the lyrics so people could like uh you know see what the sources were and stuff and uh that this record um uh, you know, o over time, people are going to get uh, just more of a narrative experience. Uh, it'll be less like, oh, you know, I'm referencing this book or whatever, but more of a narrative experience where there will be kind of sources embedded in that. But yeah. Awesome. And you, the producer that you used on it is Daniel, Daniel Bronstein. Yes. And so um, Adam mentioned that to me, but that seems like important or a good part of the experience. Yeah. Yeah, it is. He, um, Daniel was like the first uh he he was like the first we, we've had producers in the past but but we would mostly kind of like write it all ahead of time or whatever and then like producers would definitely have a role in it and uh we um we we did a couple records with Will Putney in the past and, and Will's awesome um I think with Dan so first of all I, I 
I first worked with Dan in 2011, uh, shortly after he released a record for a band called Volumes called Via. That was pretty kind of a trendsetter for metal uh, music, I'd say. Um, and he was, uh, uh, um, so Dan's known us for a really long time and he's just kind of has a pretty good understanding of our band and, and the, the, the way that we go about, um, the way that we go about creating. And, uh, this record was just like, it was the first that like a lot of the record was written in the studio. Like Mitch has his like guitar and his like laptop interface and like his like thing that creates all the sounds and like all these, like these like synth things. And then Dan was at his computer and they basically had like two rigs and they were just sending information back and forth. And um, it really, I, I think Dan just, it, it was the perfect time when, when like a producer knew he, Dan knew exactly like where to like, let us kind of do our weird thing and then where to like rein it in. And Dan was also so good at just identifying like, this is like the thing that works the best and finding ways to build the song around that. And so I think that these songs are a bit more like cohesive and like to the point than anything we've done before. Um, and a lot of times I think when bands write songs like that, they kind of maybe uh, have walked away from like the more heavy chaotic metal factor, but we were able to, if anything, push more into like, I'd say it's definitely like tonally, like, and even tuning wise, like the heaviest thing we've ever written. It's very like, um, there's, there's some parts that almost like get into like death metal a little bit even. Um, nice. but at the same time, there's also all the singing and, and Dan challenged me to just, Dan's like, Hey, like you're the singer, you know, it's time for you to like, just sing. And, and especially with our bassist leaving who used to do a lot of the, the uh the singing the like not screaming singing just uh and so to um i had a lot of fun doing both kind of uh, singing and screaming and uh um just kind of learning learning how to embrace my voice um because i'm not i you know I, i'm not going to be on american idol I, i'm not someone who has like uh i i manage a band called Dayseeker, and like their singer rory has an out of this world voice like just truly one in a million singer and uh he uh i you know i've talked a lot about this with rory even i'm like oh, i can't do it you do and, and and he really encouraged me and was like told me that like my voice is unique and told me that like that's a lot of the battle it's just like having a voice that like people haven't heard a million times and so learning how to embrace the fact i'm like i'm not a very good singer but I'm not trying to sing like crazy high stuff. I'm not doing like R and B vocal runs or anything. I'm just kind of like using my voice as a tool. And it's a, uh, it's kind of like Brock Purdy on the San Francisco 49ers. You know, they got that quarterback who's doing great for them because he just kind of plays within himself. So no, I think in, yeah, that's, that's true, but it's more than that. The, 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 the vocalization is something that anybody can do authentic to themselves as a form of expression. Do you know what I mean? Like that's yeah, yeah, its totally. own thing to do. You know, Tom Petty wasn't going to be on American Idol either. Yeah. But how could yeah, it be Bob better Dylan, than, yeah. than yeah, Bob Dylan, Tom Petty, but you know what I mean? It's like lots yeah. of people. So, but the, per, the, yeah. the, um, willingness to do, to use your vocalization to be expressive. That's yeah. that in itself is the, is the powerful thing. I think. Yeah. No, the I, willingness. I think so I'm right. glad he challenged you to do it. Cause I mean, you know, 
it's cool yeah no i it was it was it was crazy i mean dude we, we did a song called collider that's already out That was one of the first times in my life I've ever even tried to belt notes. Because, like, my whole life I would always, like, was interested in screaming. Uh -huh. So anytime I was, like, belting, I was, like, screaming. I was adding, like, distortion to it in my throat. And to um, to to start singing just clean was, like, 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 like belting but, like, holding a note and not yeah. relying on, like, not writing, like, the distortion. <sighs> not writing that but just, like, letting it rip um, loudly you know, uh, was, was, that was like one of my first times I ever did that. And, nice. uh, I mean, I, 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 I did takes of that course for like three hours until we kind of found it. Cause I was literally like making improvements while I was in the studio. Cause it was nice. so new to me that nice. like, anytime you pick up something new, you make improvements in the first couple hours. And that's so how learning like, works. Yeah. As soon as it becomes just, in your awareness, then yeah. you get in the reps all of a sudden each one improves. Yeah, exactly. And, and since then, um, uh, my vocal teacher, Melissa Cross, has um, really helped me even better solidify like, hey, try to do this, try to conceptualize this. And and Melissa's got me uh, also just singing more confidently, which has been fun. So, yeah, that's great. Well, I mean, I think it's great music. I just love the convergence of all the things like the time, the years, the fan base surviving the van accident is obviously an important step. Um, but to be able to do it, add more, th you know, be growing as a writer, performer, you know, recording art, whatever, grow, pushing yourself to grow and do new things, you know, d deeper level stuff. I mean, I appreciate it. It's really cool to, to see the journey. And you got, you, it seems like you have a really good unity in the band. If, I mean, maybe that's not true, but it seems like you probably have a good footing relationally there. That oh, yeah. I mean, you for a, a big future, you know, you got plenty of yo, totally. plenty we, more to do. You're um, getting on the playlist, everything. So, yeah, no, we, uh, I mean, our, our guitar player and drummer who are like primarily the guys that figure out our musical direction, they, they live together, um, across town. And I, 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 you know, uh, go over to, we, we're going to hang out tonight. We hung out last night. We're, we're definitely like, if we're best friends, it's one of those things where it's funny because we're very different people. So, and it's the kind of thing like we probably wouldn't be best friends if we didn't have the band that brought us together. But because of the band, we are like just, um, yeah, we're it's it's cool. We we have a really cool working relationship. And, That's and great. It's it's gone past working relationship and into just like we talk about, you know, everything, you know, if someone's going through like a breakup or through a difficult time, we just talk about it. And, uh, it's, uh, it's really the only way that I guess we'd still be doing touring like all this much when we're like, you know, when you're a mid-level band sleeping, sleeping in a van in a truck stop every night, you got to kind of love the people you're around. Cause unless if I think you're a certain level of popularity, um, that could like get you on different buses or something like, like, like Oasis or something where those brothers hate each other, yeah. you know? Um, that that's it's not possible uh, to have that at the lower levels. Yeah, well, excellent stuff. Uh, like the music, and may the algorithm continue to bless. <laughs> <laughs>
and may the algorithm be with you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, right, right. No, I, I appreciate it. It's uh, it's it's uh, it's it's really good to be on this, and I, I appreciate you taking time to chat about the new record and everything. And uh, hopefully, we get to play another show together sometime. Yeah, I'm sure we will. But yeah, I always appreciate it. I love seeing people continue succeed how it's going everybody's got these different journeys and that's is i love it i love to hear about yeah. them and get the perspective so thank you garrett appreciate it hey, thank you matt appreciate you <laughs>